Hi, Phil. Hi, Jason. Hey, you remember when we recorded that first uh, episode of the Pundit Showdown to be broadcast on the Incomparables game show as its very first episode? I don't even remember what happened to me last week, but but what you said rings a bell to me. Well, it was on February 24th of 2015. Wow. So it was at least this year. Yes. That's something. Did you did you like lose it in a in a box somewhere? Why why has it been sitting around all this time, well, Jason? That's a, that's a really good question, and I don't think I have a really good answer other than to say that uh, we, you know due to circumstances beyond our control, although we recorded it on February twenty fourth and edited it and had it ready to go, uh, then we couldn't we couldn't release it yeah. for for a while. And and uh, why will remain a mystery? I mm. think I I think who, that's who fun. could answer. I, you probably could. I but, probably could, but I probably won't. All right, fair, fair point. I okay. think I think you've uh, I think you've convinced me. I, I just want to remind you of what the world was like in the dark days of February 2015. Mm, good. Um, As I said, I have a terrible memory. The, the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Seahawks. Did you know the Patriots won the Super Bowl this year? Uh, I seem to have some recollection of that. I do recall sports. It, That's the only thing I have a memory oh, for. Good. Well, it ended in exciting fashion. It you did. may remember a grimace on the face of Pete Carroll. I I, I do. That that's burned on my brain forever. I'm sure it's a happy memory. Uh, Apple had just, as it just has, it just released its quarter quarterly results. This is almost exactly three months ago, so it was a very good holiday quarter for Apple. Oh wow! Okay, so that it, this is w- way back in the past. Yeah, Radio Shack had just gone bankrupt. John Stewart had just quit The Daily Show or mm-hmm. announced his future retirement from. The, he's still here, but his future retirement from The Daily Show. Those were fresh in our minds. At that this moment. is like a walk through history, recent history, yeah, and living the, memory. You even. know the Apple Watch that I'm wearing on my wrist right now, uh-huh. it was a product merely to be dreamed about. Although, technically, if you didn't get up at midnight Pacific to make an order, it's still a product just to be dreamed about. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. That's what was That was what was happening in February of 2015 when we recorded that first episode of The Pundit Showdown. I feel like you are a traveler from the past here to <laughs> remind me about the yeah. past. What a terrible thing to do. Anyway, I wish... Um, I wish people could listen to that episode because I remember it, unlike you, you, I know your memory is bad. I have a very good memory. I remember it as if it were just yesterday. Hi, everyone. I'm Philip Michaels, welcoming you again to the Tech Pundit Showdown, the show in which we ask very important guests very stupid questions and award them points. For their answers. Let's see who's jumping into the arena with us this time. Our first guest is a former colleague of mine. He currently does business at sixcolors.com. Uh, he is the host of many, many podcasts on The Incomparable. Why not put him on another podcast? He is here to avenge his performance from the last time on the Tech Pundit Showdown. It's Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Phil. I learned my lesson last time, which is very simple. Don't insult the host. So you look marvelous. Yes, right away. Getting getting off to a good foot. Another former colleague of mine joins us. She is currently the executive editor of Macworld.com. She is one half of the Macworld podcast, and, and in my opinion, 100% of the reason to listen to the Macworld podcast. She is... It's Susie Oaks. Hi, Susie. Hey, Phil. How's it going? It's going very well. And uh, another former colleague of mine joins us. Hey, it's a trend. He's the uh, lead editor at thewirecutter.com, the former uh, expert in the world of uh, Mac Gems. 
but we still know him, exploring brave new worlds. Dan Frakes. Hello, Dan. Hi, Phil. You know, this is always my favorite podcast to be on. Well, thank you very much, Dan. <laughs> I noticed that Susie didn't say anything nice about me, so it starts off minus one. <laughs> and finally, not a former colleague of mine, not when she realizes how much alimony she'd have to pay. She is the uh, newsletter editor at InfoWorld. She is also uh, uh, appears on many podcasts, including the Flash Flashcast on TheIncomparable.com. That's why we changed her theme music. Lisa Schmeiser's here. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. And it's a pleasure to have you. Um, let's uh, explain how the rules of this work. I'm going to ask questions. These people are going to provide answers, and I'm going to give them points, either one point, two points, Boom. or three points. And as Susie found out just a moment ago, you can lose points. So let's start off with our first question, <laughs> and it is all about this. Apple's quarterly earnings report is here, and as expected, the numbers show historic gains. Apple made $74.6 billion in revenue last quarter, beating out estimates and making it Apple's most profitable quarter in company history. Like the man says, Apple turned a profit in its fiscal first quarter. It happened to be the best quarter of any company ever. Not that we expect anyone to match Apple's financial feats anytime soon, but which tech company is best positioned to turn in an Apple-esque balance sheet at some point in 2015? Let's start off with Jason Snell. Well, I think the only tech company that can really beat Apple in 2015 is probably Apple. And outside of the holiday quarter, Apple can't really beat itself. So if, to, if I had to rank them, number one answer would be nobody, followed by slightly less likely Apple, followed by the off chance that Jeff Bezos decides he really needs to cook the books to get people off his back. So he makes Amazon have one totally amazing quarter before retreating back into his lair and breaking even and investors wondering what the heck is going on with Amazon. Dan Frakes. All right, we're just going to posit that nobody is the right answer, and we're going to find out who will be profitable, right? That's my extra, that's, extra point for Jason for repeating his answer, but go ahead. Yes. So um, I would just say if you're looking for big profits in tech, I'd go with, with uh, and you can miss, you can correct this mispronunciation, Xiaomi, because I think that's how you pronounce it. But it's already the largest, the third largest smartphone vendor in the world. Um, only Apple and Samsung are higher. Uh, it's been steadily eating into Samsung's market. It's the biggest vendor in China now. Um, so unlike and unlike Samsung, which he has to sell tons of high-end phones just to make a profit, Xiaomi sells, sells cheap phones and makes a profit on every one. So it's you know it's going to be rolling in money soon. Not not Apple level, but it's doing okay. All right, Susie. Uh, I'm going to say Uber because it is bound neither by the laws of the land nor by any sense of pesky ethics. And uh, VCs can't stop throwing money at it. You know, billion here, billion there. No big deal. It's valued at more than most countries. And uh, yeah, someone's. I guess the VCs need to make up for all the money they throw at dumb startups like Clinkle. So Uber all the way. Extra point for saying the word Clinkle and not breaking into, into giggles. <laughs> and now to the uh, most infectious laugh in podcast uh, podcast land, Lisa Schmeiser. You're sweet to say so. Um, unfortunately, Dan stole my I answer. <laughs> Dan stole my answer, which was Shomei. Extra point for Dan. And uh, my reasoning was uh, they're big in China. Uh, so my second choice is Baidu, which is uh, the Chinese search engine slash manufacturer. 
because uh, troublingly, BuzzFeed has begun to pick up on the crazy stuff you can buy there. And so once hordes of uh, texting addicted millennials discover that by do you can buy you can buy literally grosses of things that you never thought were worth having. American dollars will flow overseas and um, China will soon own us all. Extra point there at the end. Our next question. It is a listener question, and it comes from Sean Desenya, who only uh, submits these so that I can mispronounce his name every time he does. Hey, speaking of Uber, they're developing self-driving cars. Google is developing an on-demand car service. Which other two companies should start randomly competing with one another? Let's uh, start with Susie this time. Okay, well, I'm going to say that Apple is taking on the energy industry. They've got talking about their big solar panel they're building in Monterey oh. County. But I also think that once they launch their car, that it should come with a line of gas stations and they can um, take on Chevron with uh, the same kind of gas that you're used to buying from everyone else. But, you know, it's gold and it has a markup. Um, the gas stations will be very, very beautiful. <laughs> The ice in the soda will be made of frozen unicorn tears. So, yeah. <laughs> Apple versus big energy. Excellent answer. Dan Frakes. So the big tech news over the past few weeks has been that Apple's hiring a bunch of car people to work on some big auto-related project. Um, in fact, the company's already been hiring a bunch of people from Tesla. And the news outlets have also said that Tesla's been hiring from Apple. So I think the two should just come right out and openly compete with one another. After all, Apple's, Apple's allegedly buying a car or at least some kind of, or building a car, some kind of technology for cars. And if you've read ever written in a Tesla, you know that everyone has a 17-inch touchscreen panel right in the console. So I figure that with Apple rumored to be announcing a, a larger car later this year, Tesla should be, debut its uh, Padster, a 17-inch tablet that you can take with you and then uh, use it as a tablet at home or work and plop it in your car's console while you drive. Lisa. Oh, I think Adobe and Facebook should go toe-to-toe. Um, oh. it, would, it would be fun to see the two of them slug it out over a quantified self-type software suite that tracks everything from your pulse to your calorie counts to your moon cycles. And... <laughs> And, you know, Facebook would do something ethically egregious with all the data somehow and get caught out and pretend to be sorry. And then Adobe would make their whole software suite unnecessarily complex. And the great thing is this generates jobs because then an army of freelance writers will have to write books about Adobe's products explaining how to use them. And Jason Snell, wrap us up. Well, in the spirit of your question saying randomly competing with each other, I think I've gotten as random as you could get. So I'm imagining Papa John's Pizza will begin making smartwatches that let you (laughs) order a pizza with just one button. But not to be outdone, Motorola will be adding a food ordering app to the Moto 360 and begin buying retail space so that it, it too can start making terrible, terrible pizza. Can I just add that this morning, uh, Pebble announced a new smartwatch that has a Domino's app on it? It's already happening, Dan. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Another point there for Jason for f- predicting the future. Predicting the future. Yes. Uh, and let's move on to our next question, which is about Dick Costello, Twitter CEO, who admitted in an internal memo that his company sucks at dealing with abuse. That's a quote, by the way. What's an even more obvious statement about something in tech? Lisa, let's start off with you this time. Wow, we were totally not aware how easy it is for anyone to get into our database and steal all of our customers' information, as said by any tech company anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Susie. Um, Well, Mark Zuckerberg's been pretty plain about how he wants to get all 7 billion people on the earth to get on the internet so they can all join Facebook. Jason Snell. 
Well, Google would admit that without search ad revenue, it would totally be boned. And uh, Yahoo would admit that it sucks at just about everything. And I think maybe Motorola would agree it should have thought better about launching a pizza chain. That's how you rack up the points, folks. Dan Frakes. I would say it would be Samsung saying uh, about a year and a half ago, we're not disputing that all these phones contain some elements of Apple's design. Let's check the scores. A very tight contest so far, although... Did I forget to write? Yes, I did forget to put down points for Dan Frakes. He has 10 right now. Uh, Susie just behind him with 9, I think. Um, Lisa also with 10. Jason Snell in the lead with 11. Let's move on to this question. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. In another instance of Susie Oaks uh, anticipating questions before I actually ask them, here's another point for her. Uh, Tim Cook was at the the Goldman Sachs Technology and Internet Conference where he revealed that Apple will build a 1,300-acre solar farm in Monterey, California, which will power its new headquarters along with all its retail and data center operations in the Golden State. If Apple really wanted to impress us, what new business should the company involve itself in next? Dan Frakes. Everyone will know exactly why I say this. I'm going to make it short and sweet. Restaurant websites that are usable. (laughs) Jason. Well, definitely not making pizza. I think we're clear on that one. Okay, based on pizza now. But based on uh, its (laughs) learnings in building the uh, spaceship-shaped Campus 2, I think Apple is going to revolutionize the building industry. Its new Apple Buildings partnership, formerly iBuilding, but we're kind of over the i thing, brings Apple design to the creation of corporate office parks and college campuses. At the same time, Apple will invest even more in the curved glass industry since most Apple buildings are entirely made of curved glass. After being rebuffed by Stanford University, Apple will cut a deal with Santa Clara University to rebuild its campus out of Apple buildings, also sparking concerns that Apple may be planning to reinvent higher education and the Catholic Church, too. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Lisa. (laughs) Insurance. (laughs) Short and sweet. Susie. Um, I'm going to go with the Santa Claus business. Like, Santa does a pretty good job, but he's kind of been at it for a while, and I feel like he's ripe for disruption. And you know that's where Amazon is already heading with its drone delivery, and, you know, they have a, a, a wide product line, but I feel like Apple's reindeer or rain drones, if you will, could uh, fly faster, they would have many fewer buttons, and they would deliver more expensive gifts. And also, Santa only works one day a year? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who wouldn't want that? It's a heck of a fourth quarter profit. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Let's move on for our (laughs) obligatory question about the Steve Jobs movie. This is the one with Michael Fosbender and Seth Rogen, and it's now filming in advance of a late 2015 release. I want to ask, what song do you think is an absolute must for this movie's soundtrack? Let's start off with Susie this time. Uh, Sister Christian by Night Ranger. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> that song is just kind of a really amazing song and I was trying to uh, sort of reverse engineer some reasons why it should be in the Steve Jobs movie <laughs> I was going to go with just that it kicks ass but um, I also found out that the music video was filmed at San Rafael High School so it's got a Bay Area connection and it came out in 1984 oh. just like a little computer we like to call the Macintosh that is, that is some deep knowledge there Lisa Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, I was thinking Chumbawamba's Tub Thumping Free, late 1990s comeback montage where he just kind of dances to the office randomly firing people and redesigning things. 
I like it. I like it. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he gets knocked down, but he gets up he again. He got up you again. See. Yes, exactly. Uh, Dan Frakes. Excellent point there for explaining the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> because they were not clear at all. I just no. wanted to amplify uh, my I, point. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say uh, Clocks by Coldplay. First and foremost, because if you've no. ever been to an Apple keynote, you've heard that song <laughs> like a billion times. Yeah, and I don't um, need to hear it again. Thanks. But um, it also sounds like a movie soundtrack song. You know, the Apple Watch is coming. Clocks, watch. Um, okay. The lyrics that. even include the word Apple, so it's got to be there. All right. And uh, Jason Snell. Well, the, th- the soundtrack's mostly going to be Bob Dylan and the Beatles because Steve Jobs. And there'll be a brief appearance, very, very brief, from Joan Baez. Uh, but uh, John Mayer will be playing himself, presumably, in the movie in one of his many, <gasps> many, many stage appearances at an Apple event. And will play Waiting on the World to Change. I think that would be a good use in a, the change motif. But the bulk of the soundtrack, I think, is going to be songs from Apple commercials, uh, especially the famous Mark B- Mother's Boss song that is the I'm a Mac I'm a PC jingle. I think it's got to be in there. You know the one. That one. It's on Phil's soundboard, so I knew he could play it right then. Exactly. Amazing. Mm. So let's check the scores. Susie Oaks and uh, Jason Snell are really battling it out here. One has 16, one has 15. I'm not going to tell you which. Lisa, Lisa Schmeiser just behind with 14. Dan Frake should not have mentioned Coldplay in my presence. He's got 11. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> we move on to our next question. Comcast seems to ha- ha- keep having problems with customer service after the cable giant recently made the news for sending bills to customers who called to complain about cable service with rude names. I'm not going to read the examples because this is vaguely a family podcast, but because we have nothing but love in our hearts for Comcast. Let's help them through this difficult time by suggesting ways to win back the hearts and minds of their subscribers. Uh, Frakes, get back on the board here. I'm going to say they should adopt the old uh, Domino's pizza delivery gimmick and apply it to... So much pizza! (laughs) Instead of, say, a four-hour window, they give you a set appointment time. And if the service technician's late, your cable is free that month. Or... They could tie it to how late they are. So five minutes late gets you a month of stars. 15 minutes gets you showtime. And if they're a half hour late, you get HBO and free internet. It'll revolutionize the industry. Lisa Schmeiser. Um, I think they should give random free subscriptions and they should start with me. But they can also try hiring. I agree with that because it benefits us all. <laughs> shared, shared household expenses. Um, Comcast, however, could also try hiring a huge boatload of people to actually provide customer service because right now they certainly are not doing that. Um, the cynic in me suspects it would actually just be cheaper to give me and a bunch of other people free service and let us fell about it on the local media. Jason Snow. Dear Comcast subscribers, thank you for sticking with us during this trying time. We've decided to stop artificially slowing down your Netflix stream for the next 14 days. Enjoy those high-definition movies without buffering through early March on us. I feel like there's going to be a lot of sick days in America if that happens. I I like the role-playing aspect of that answer. (laughs) Susie! Um, I don't think Comcast should overthink this. They might hurt themselves. <laughs> really, to to combat the rude name strategy, how about just a nice name strategy? Who wouldn't love a company that sent bills to uh, Doe Eyes Michaels or widely beloved Snell? <laughs> I think my eyes are my best feature. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. Move, You're welcome. Let's move on to our next question. 
And it's all about this. Wilson with 33 seconds and counting. Oh, no. To his left, ball into the left as well. Stack receivers two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Wilson, quick throw. It is. Probably should have warned our uh, Seattle listeners about that before we played that. Despite despite having the ball inside the one-yard line and one of the best running backs in football at his disposal, Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll called for a pass play in the waning moments of Super Bowl 49, and the result was what you just heard, an interception and a fourth Super Bowl title for the New England Patriots. Name me a technology decision that backfired just as disastrously as that pass call. Let's start with Susie. Um, I'm going to go for the Amazon Fire Phone. It lost on price. It lost on future set. It lost on app ecosystem all at once. But I did get to go to Seattle and cover the launch. Uh, Dan Freaks. So I'm going to say that um, one that ended up a disaster along the lines was, um, was BlackBerry introducing a, a smartphone without a keyboard. Because during the Super Bowl, you hear Twitter erupted with people saying, why didn't you give the ball to Marshawn Lynch? Um, The same thing happened on on Twitter and tech blogs immediately after BlackBerry's announcement with people saying, why would you make a BlackBerry without a keyboard? So I think the reactions were were similar. Jason. Well, I mean, from a pure technology standpoint, I think it would have to be Microsoft's multi-failure decision to create Windows 7 as this compromised half-desktop, half-tablet interface with bonus points for simultaneously creating Windows RT, which was an operating system that didn't run anything except Office, but only in its non-tablet form, which nobody actually wanted. That's a good technology answer, but the true failure, I think, of recent times is Apple hiring John Browett, the cost cutter, and Cheap Charlie from UK discount tech store Dixon's as its retail chief. Hello, that was never going to work. And he replaced Ron Johnson, who himself made the decision he'd rather be the CEO of a moribund vendor of high-waisted slacks to retirees at JCPenney (laughs) rather than keep running Apple stores. That is a spectacular chain of bad decision-making there. Angela Ahrens, you're on the clock. Don't do anything dumb, please. Yes, high-waisted slacks, I think, was my favorite phrase from that answer. Uh, Lisa? I I can't really follow high-waisted slacks. No, you can't. That's got title potential. Not after Labor Day. No. (laughs) Oh, am I still expected to give an answer after that? Yes, you are. Ah, no, I was going to say, I was going to ask how how that Superfish thing is working out for Lenovo. (laughs) Excellent. Apple has offered a sneak preview of its new Photos for OS X app, giving developers and select members of the press access to a beta of the new photo management and editing tool. With the shipping version of Photos set to arrive in springtime, what feature, if any, are you looking forward to? Let's start with someone who's actually laid hands on this. Jason. Yeah, I think the feature is really the speed. Using iPhoto with a a giant library, like of all your photos from the last five years, it was like that uh, Lou Reed album with the metal machines grinding in the background. It's like painful, unpleasant. You could endure it, but you would never enjoy it. And uh, Photos seems to not be like that. Photos, I don't know what, pick your favorite music. It's much more like that. It's much faster. Um, And storing my photos in the cloud, also a big win. But I think speed is number one. All right. uh, Dan Frakes. Assuming it works, I'm uh, really looking forward to the capability to host all my photos in the cloud so I can see them on any of my devices. Right, right now, if I want to see a view, uh, photo from, say, a past vacation, i got to go all the way to my office, turn on my Mac, open iPhoto. Um, 
the key here, though, is assuming it works. I think, you know, I've had enough iCloud, MobileMe, Mac.com issues over the years to make me a little nervous. Lisa, I wasted slacks. <laughs> no, I, um, bearing in mind that I, I don't use any photo editing software at all, I'm... I wasn't the person to say this, so my, my answer was I was looking forward to the Hurt Locker feature where you could carefully extract photo bombers while pondering the futility of the modern world and its hyper-documentation. Daring, daring. Susie. <laughs> um, I just hate iPhoto, like, so much. So my favorite... Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Screw you, iPhoto. Um, so my favorite <laughs> feature of photos is just that it's going to send iPhoto to the fifth circle of hell, and we'll take it off my Mac, and I'll never have to look at it again. Thanks, Apple. My goodness, do we have a battle. Susie, by totally yelling at iPhoto, is now in the lead with 25 points, just ahead of Jason Snell with 24. Lisa, just behind with 23. Dan Frakes is present today. (laughs) (laughs) And our next question is all about this. Uh, 17 years is the longest I have ever in my life held a job by 16 years and five months. Uh, Thank you. The upshot there being, uh, I am a terrible employee. Uh, But but in my heart, I know it it is time for someone else to have that opportunity. And uh, I told you they didn't know. John Stewart there, a stunning viewer, is when he announced he would be stepping down as an anchor on The Daily Show after, I, I have 16 years in my notes, but he rounded up. What was the last announcement in technology that you found truly shocking? Lisa Schmeiser. The FCC chair's decision on uh, net neutrality, because I, I had honestly expected it to go in exactly the opposite direction. And it still might. But it might. Yes. No, but I was I was super surprised because he's gone against a couple of members of the board, and there's tremendous resistance through um, one of the one of the uh, branches of government. And it would have been super easy for him to be all, you know what, throttling is a okay. It's the American way. And instead, he came out very strongly in favor in favor of net neutrality. Jason Snell. Uh, I'm going to say Microsoft announcing their hologram technology. Because first off, who thought that Microsoft was going to be inventing ski goggles with stuff projected into them? But then on top of that, they roll them out and say they're a real product that will actually be sold. That's double crazy in my mind. Dan Frakes. I'm going to say Radio Shack filing for bankruptcy. Um, that was that it, shocking to you? Not, 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 <laughs> hold on, hold on. This is not why that, you're in last. Not that it was hugely <laughs> shocking at, from an from a economic point of view, but uh, considering that sites, you know, Amazon and, and Monoprice long ago replaced them as the place I shop for tech parts and stuff. But but for anyone into technology, it was a, for, for years, it was like the tech toy store. And it's kind of like McDonald's in that you haven't gone there regularly in years, but you went to all the time when you were younger and it seemed like they were everywhere. So it's shocking in terms of it's just going to be weird to think of like going through strip malls and not seeing radio shacks everywhere. Well, there, there you go. You, di- you, you defended yourself where it, well at the end there. So sorry, Dan, to jump all over you. <laughs> Susie. Um, like Jason, I wrote down Microsoft, but for a different reason. I was very, very shocked that Microsoft decided to skip Windows 9 and go right to Windows 10, which a uh, super brilliant site called InfoWorld had actually called a year earlier as an April Fool's joke. Extra point for Lisa. <laughs> well deserved.
All right, let's move on. Boy, the uh, the the lead has changed dramatically thanks to that last answer. Uh, and let, our next question is: In past years, we'd either be recovering from or preparing for another MacWorld Expo. Sadly, this year's installment is on hiatus, and it's fair to say the future of the event is very much in doubt. I'd like the panelists to tell me what one tech event remains as relevant and can't miss as ever. Hey, it's our golden envelope question. Match my answer. Get 10 points. Probably a spot in the finals unless you're freaks. So <laughs> let's start off with Dan, who needs the points. Uh, honestly, in the age of high-speed internet, live streams of events, and live blogging, I don't think there is a tech event that that's really a can't miss these days unless you're just the kind of person who has to be at an event or it doesn't count. Um, you can watch things as they happen, get instant feedback on blogs, social media. You can even interact with, with other enthusiasts without leaving the comfort of your, of your soft couch. So, uh, I mean, even South by Southwest, which used to be sort of the must event, must attend event has lost a lot of its charm. It's ironically so big that people don't want to go anymore. Um, so, um, I, I don't think there's anything that's really can't miss in terms of tech events these days. Uh, Points there for, uh, you know, not getting what's in the golden envelope and also totally uh, ripping apart the question. So thank you, Dan. Uh, Lisa. Um, I was going to argue for interop, which is ostensibly the gathering of the clan for different IT professionals. And they go through and they go through big trends like what's going on in cloud, virtualization, containers, um, security, um, storage area networking, things like that. And one of the reasons I think Interop is still pretty vital is it's a nice way to look at where corporate IT is going to go. And by extension, that means where the money is going to go flowing in and out of different companies. Susie, your answer. Um, well, I was going to say CES because it's the world's premier um, display of vaporware that we're not going to see for another two to three years, if ever. But I'm actually going to go for MWC, and that's Mobile World Congress over in Barcelona. My colleagues are leaving for it in a couple of days. It's basically CES, but in Europe with piles and piles of ham. Just ham everywhere. It's Extra really great. Extra point for the ham. You can't live stream ham, Dan. You no, can't. you can't. <laughs> Maybe you have in to be 2016. there in person to experience the ham. Yeah. And, and, the, and those almonds. Oh, man, those almonds. Mm-hmm. So much ham. Jason. You know, we, we can't think about conventions and, and conferences when we think of tech events now. It's company events. And the king of company events is Apple's iPhone announcement in the fall. That is the thing that everyone in the world cares about. The traffic for those uh, events when you're live blogging it, when you're, when you're yeah. writing about it, it is insane. It's not a convention. There's no sense of community for that. You'd want something like Apple's developer conference or Google I.O., but it is the one singular big event that everybody in the tech industry is always going to pay attention to. So the fall iPhone event is my vote. Jason came the closest to matching the golden envelope question. I put down the Recode Conference, or the conference oh. formerly known as D All Things Digital. Just because. Sure. Gets a, gets a lot of press. <laughs> who doesn't I like, like Walt Mossberg Mostly and Kara who, who doesn't? It's very, it's very uh, interesting. And uh, they get Tim Cook to show up mm-hmm. on occasion. So... Good for them. Our next question, I believe, not going to skip more questions mm-hmm. all about this. Yes, comic book nerds rejoiced at the news that Sony Pictures and Marvel Studios have struck a deal to allow Spider-Man to appear in a Marvel movie. In honor of your friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man, I would like to hear about tech figures 
as superheroes. Lisa, I think you might have something to say here. I would like to change the question to supervillains. because what? Because no. I think we can all agree that Jeff Bezos is basically Lex Luthor. Uh, and and let's not get started with Larry Ellison as Magneto. But, well, of course. Oh. But my point is, I think we can actually think of Tim Cook as Mr. Terrific. Who is kind? Who is kind of a second or third tier character in the DC universe? Mister Terrific is a member of the JSA, and his official bio lists him as the third smartest guy in the world, which is both awfully specific and a little insulting. Yeah. And well, that- here's the key: he's the second Mister Terrific because he inherited the mantle from a Golden Age prodigy named Terrence Sloan. Yes, so you go on. <laughs> so yes, because I'm a comics person, so he's low key, but he still gets stuff done, and that's basically Tim Cook for you. Mm-hmm. Lisa's okay. playing a whole different game than the rest of yeah. us. <laughs> Deep cuts. Now that Dangle that's out of the a way. comics question in front of me yeah. and weep the whirlwind, mister. Okay. Dan Franks. <laughs> um, like Lisa, I assume that if we have superheroes, we need supervillains. Yeah. Um, oh and I'm thinking that Elon Musk is going to be a fantastic supervillain someday. Cool. He's, a, he's fantastically <laughs> wealthy. He's brilliant. He's charismatic. Um, he makes these amazing cars everyone wants that are essentially massive computers. He's positioned himself as a champion of renewable energy and is trying to install, quote, solar panels, quote, with their own computers on everyone's houses. He's building rockets, ostensibly for space travel and cargo transport, but we don't know what really. All he needs now is his own media empire to push his agenda and his products and, uh, and satellites to link them all together. Flip a switch and he has control of our communications, our houses, our vehicles, and he has rockets. You realize you've described like the last third of the Watchmen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extra point to Lisa. Let's get more Mr. Terrific background, too, also, (laughs) on our next answers, please. Uh, Susie. Um, well, Elon Musk, I thought, could uh, his superhero name could be Burning Man, and his superpower could be frowning at gadgets to make their batteries explode. Um, (laughs) Also mentioned before was Tim Cook. I thought his superhero name could be The Cook. And he could be an unflappably calm hero whose power is bashing enemies on the head with a meteoric stock price and then offering them a job in a power bar. Um, or uh, good old Travis Kalanick could be a uber dude and his superpower is commanding all the Earth's cars to do his bidding like so many independently contracted fire ants. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. Thanks. Jason Snell. Satya Nadella is Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy. Nobody really heard him before. His exploits are happening in some far-off region that most of us aren't really uh, used to. But it turns out he's doing a pretty good job and people like him. Larry Page is Syndrome from The Incredibles. You think he's a good guy. He likes to play the part. But then you look a little bit closer and realize he's a cartoon supervillain with his own private island and an army of robots. But Tim Cook is... Reed Richards. He is the world's smartest man. He is cool as a cucumber. He has a great team around him. Yes, occasionally Johnny Ive can be a hothead and Eddie Q is essentially a giant rock monster. And there's only one woman and she's often invisible. But still, Tim Cook's got a great team. Oh. Oh. Yeah. I bow before that answer. Yeah, you win. Yeah, I think we'll give Jason another point there. It's amazing how Tim Cook features so strongly in everybody's answers. Yeah. Let's move on to our next question. And our final question. We have a ship date for the Apple Watch. As Apple says, you'll be able to get one in April or sooner if you can overpower superhero Tim Cook and and take his. Let's end with this big question. Assuming you're spending your own money, are you buying what Apple is selling and why? Let's start with Frakes. All right. Don't get me wrong. I I see the appeal. Okay. I use a fitness tracker. I look at my phone 
dozens of times every day to check the time. And I love the idea of being able to monitor, you know, messages and notifications without having to pull my phone out of my pocket. But, uh, and, and I use an iPhone, but um, even though it seems it's made for me, you know, there's only been a few stretches of my life where I've actually worn a watch every day. Um, I'm just not a big fan. So it's going to have to really impress me to get me to shell out my own money. Susie. Um, yes, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get the cheapest one I can get. I'm going to complain about its cheapness, I'm sure. Um, I will recharge it every 19 hours on the dot. And uh, hopefully I can sell it to get the second gen because I feel like that one's going to be a lot better. Lisa. Not unless it comes in a pocket watch model. Um, wristwatches aren't sufficiently showy. And if I'm going to buy first generation technology, I need it to be ostentatious so that people know I own it. Very good. Jason. Uh, yeah, I'm going to buy it. Probably the cheapest model. Um, part of the reason is, I mean, obviously I write about this stuff, so I need to do it. But I've, I've uh, used the Pebble for a couple of years. And I, you know, so I am a watch wearer. I like it. The Pebble was good. Not great, but good. And the, the reason the Pebble was bad was because it um, didn't connect well to the iPhone. It connects better to Android. And you know Apple is going to make the connection between the Apple Watch and the iPhone. Uh, just a, a deep and rich connection. And so I'm excited about having a, a watch on my wrist that uh, that is more deeply connected into my iPhone. Um, and uh, I'm pr- looking forward to it tapping me on the wrist and telling me to, to get off my uh, fat ass and go for a walk. So, um, you know, I, I'm a slob who's now a freelancer. It's unlikely I'll be buying one that's made of gold, but the basic uh, sport edition, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. And boy, did we have some dramatic changes at the end there. Not for Dan Frakes. Dan, it's an honor just to participate sometime, and maybe you should try it. You finish with 30 points. Lisa Schmeiser, you were in the finals at one point with 34 points, but Susie and Jason have pipped you with 35 and 36 points, respectively. They are our finalists. Well done. And they are moving on to defend the indefensible. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to read a ridiculous statement. Susie and Jason will have to defend it for 20 seconds. Even if it's the most horrible thing, yes, even if it's the most horrible thing they've ever heard, they've got to agree with every word that comes out of my mouth. Jason, you had the 36 points. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go second. Okay. I'll take the physical challenge. (laughs) Susie. (laughs) Yes. If Apple makes a car, then by law, anyone who buys one should get to park in any handicapped parking space they want. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. I mean, today uh, when we're recording this is Steve Jobs, uh, what would have been his 60th birthday. And Steve Jobs was pioneering in a lot of respects. And one of them was his his penchant for turning handicapped spots into (laughs) handicapable spots and just, you know, opening those up to the people of the world in the cars who have important places Uh, to go and things to do. And you can't park in a fire lane. Like, that's a hazard. (laughs) You've gone over over time. Thank you. uh, A very very strong answer. I was just getting warmed up, but if I have to stop, I guess I will. Jason... (laughs) Jason has a big hill to climb to to, to reclaim his title. Stopped, so. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. Jason. Yes. To mark what would have been Steve Jobs' 60th birthday, Tim Cook should do the honorable thing and resign. 
I, in fact, I think that doesn't go far enough. Not only should Tim Cook resign, um, he should be forced to, uh, as penance for not being Steve Jobs, maybe he should wear a black turtleneck and blue jeans around uh, around Cupertino. He will need to uh, haunt various handicapped parking spaces throughout the area and uh, wear a cardboard sign that says, I'm not Steve Jobs. I think oh. if he does that long enough. Okay, okay. I think he's got his mojo back. It was a tough decision. Susie was good. Jason, just a little bit better. Jason Snell, you are our winner this week. Oh, thank goodness. So it uh, just uh, stands for me to thank uh, Jason Snell, Susie Oaks, uh, Lisa Schmeiser, and Dan Frakes for appearing on this week's show. A really good show. This month's show. A show that will appear periodically whenever we can find the time. Uh, I've been Philip Michaels. I'm currently your host of the the Tech Pundit Showdown. I don't know what I'm doing. Goodbye. And so in the end, the right person won, which yep. was me, Phil. And that's and now, do you remember what we were uh, what we were doing back in February? Sure, it w- it was like I lived it again. I know How about that. Yeah. So are we ever doing any more of these? And are, and more importantly, are they going to be delayed for three months? <laughs> well, tomorrow is promised to no man, Jason. But uh, I would stay tuned to this time and, and channel. And, and that's and not maybe. how podcasts work. No, I'm pretty sure that it is. Maybe that's why it was delayed for three months. Interesting. But you just uh, waited for the broadcast yeah, to go. Just out. stay to this channel. Mm-hmm. Keep your keep your iPhone or iPod or listening device. Keep the radio dial at this right here frequency. Do not move. Right. And maybe, just maybe, another pundit showdown will appear. Hmm. Unless I have like stuff to do. <laughs> Boom.